Well, I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter 4 this morning. John chapter 4. Uh, as we continue to look in the Word of God here, last week we looked at the fact that uh, there it was that Jesus uh, was still in Judea and uh, that he ended up making his way to Jacob's well. And as he made his way to Jacob's well, we need to keep in mind, as our focus was last week, uh, that he didn't get there by accident. Amen. He got there all on purpose because he had a divine appointment. He had a divine appointment with that Samaritan woman uh, there at the well. And as Jesus had this divine appointment, uh, he was there to introduce himself to her. Now, the amazing thing is that she, he knew who she was. He knew everything about her, but she didn't yet know who he was, but she was about to find out. Amen. And so as we begin to look at that, I ought to give us encouragement this morning as we look at John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. It ought to give us encouragement regardless of where we are. We, not, we might not know all things. We, might, we don't know all things. We don't have all things figured out. We don't know the beginning uh, from the end, but we know someone who does. Amen. And he has all of the answers. And despite uh, the fact that he knows us and he knows everything about us, us, he still loves us and he has a plan for our life and so as we look in the word of God this morning well I want us to begin we're not going to finish this text of scripture this morning we're going to look at it for a couple of weeks as we uh, kind of take our time to get through this but we're going to look at the fact that Jesus introduced himself uh, to this Samaritan woman as the living water there at Jacob's well so we come to this text of scripture in John chapter 4 beginning in verse 7 it says there came a woman of Samaria to draw water and Jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food therefore the Samaritan woman said to him how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans Jesus answered and said to her if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water and Jesus said to, uh, she said to him sir you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where then do you get that living water you're not greater than our father Jacob are you who has gave, uh, gave us this well and he drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle Jesus answered and said to her everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst but the water that I will give to him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. As we take a look at this scripture, it's, it's a, a very interesting scripture. It lets us know several things about uh, the person of Jesus Christ as we begin to understand and get a better understanding through the gospels, through the word of God of who Jesus was. Jesus wasn't really concerned about uh, the stereotypical uh, things of stereotypes within uh, the world. He didn't really worry about what everybody else thought about things. He only did that which was right amen and his, his pursuit was uh, going after doing God's will as we looked at last week everything that Jesus did was through the father's will he didn't do a single thing that wasn't of the father's will he was led and directed entirely by the father and now here it is at the sixth hour of the day he's sitting there at Jacob's well and here comes this woman this is noon right this is right in the middle of the day so as we begin to 
look at this text of Scripture, everything about this event, everything about this encounter is odd. I mean, everything about it is absolutely odd. We don't look at it as being odd in our culture, in our world today, but in Jesus' culture, in Jesus' world, everything was absolutely odd. Everything was absolutely unusual. And so as we look at this, here it is, this woman, woman is coming to this well at the sixth hour of the day. Now, it's not unusual. It's, it's the woman's job. It's the woman's responsibility. Everybody had different jobs. Everybody had different responsibility. And during this day, it was the woman's job. It's the woman's responsibility to go to the well and to draw water, right? They didn't have faucets that they could just turn on. They, could, they had to go to the well. They had to draw that water. They had to take uh, the water back to the house. And it wasn't an unusual thing. Now, something that is interesting as a side note, as we look in the Word of God, we see some other women at, at, at some other wells that were drawing water, and it was very interesting times. We find Rebecca in Genesis chapter 4, as Abraham sent uh, his servant out to go find a wife for his uh, son Isaac, and so there this servant goes out, and so what does he do? He goes to the well, and there's Rebecca, and so Isaac's wife is found where? At the well. It's not this well. This well hadn't even been created yet, but it is a different well. And we also find there a little bit later on, Jacob himself, Jacob going and being sent out by his mother to go find for himself a wife. And we find that in Genesis chapter 29. And so what, where does he find his wife, Rachel at? Boy, it's love at first sight, right? He sees her, his heart starts beating and his, his pulse rate goes up and he's, he's uh, uh, just looking at her like she's the best uh, best thing that he's ever seen and where does he find his bride at he finds her at the well as she's there doing her daily job of drawing out the water and so now it's, what's interesting is is that Jesus is now at the well and it is the very well that Jacob had dug right it, it, it wasn't the well that Rachel was at it wasn't the well that Rebecca uh, was at it was the well right there where Jacob had settled where Jacob had raised his family where the well that, that, that as the Samaritan woman says herself that he drew water out to uh, give to his children he drew water out to give to his cattle so it was right there that Jacob had settled and now Jesus is there and he is meeting a different woman you say well this woman isn't going to be his bride well in a sense she is because she did come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ she put her faith she put her trust in Jesus Christ Christ and therefore what did she do she became a part of the church what is the church the church is the bride of Christ amen it's the very bride of Christ and so as we look at this here it is that Jesus is there right in the middle of the day now the funny thing is that nobody goes to the well in the middle of the day because nobody's there but Jesus went to the well and Jesus went to the well during the middle of the day not only did Jesus go to the well during the middle of the day when nobody else was going to be there, Jesus went to the well during the middle of the day and didn't have anything to draw water out with. <laughs> Amen? So Jesus knew that somebody was about to come to that well, and so here it is, this Samaritan woman. It was the social gathering spot of, of the day. It was a social gathering spot. It was kind of the Facebook of the day, I guess you could say, right? That's where everybody met up at, and that's where everybody 
uh, caught up with and, and, and was, was chit-chatting and talking and, uh, you know, seeing what was going on with uh, everybody else. And so they would either meet there real early in the morning and then they would come back and meet there late into the evening. But nobody went during the middle of the day. But this woman, she came as the first thing that we see that is unusual, that she comes during the sixth hour of the day and Jesus obviously knew that she was going to come, that she was going to be there because he came at a time when nobody else comes to the well and he came and he said he was thirsty but he didn't have anything to draw water with. And he certainly wasn't going to sit there for another six hours and wait for somebody to eventually come draw water for him, right? Now, could you imagine this for just a minute? Here's this Samaritan woman. First of all, she's, she is... We'll look at this more next week, but she doesn't want to be seen in public. She's probably been ostracized. She's lived a very sin-filled life. She's lived a wicked life, and now she is kind of an outcast of society, and so she doesn't want to talk to people. She doesn't want to be around other people, and she shows up. She probably sees Jesus sitting at this well, and she's walked all over this way. She's probably saying, oh, no, somebody's there, and it's a man. And I, and I certainly, and her issue is with men, as we'll see next week, so I don't want to be seen talking to another man. And I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to avoid public because I'm already in my shame, and now they're going to see me talking to this other man. What's everybody going to think? What's everybody going to say? And so she's probably even hesitant to come up to that well, but there, as you can imagine the picture, well, I've already walked this far. I've already come out of town this far, come away from my house this far. I made it all the way up to the well. I see this man I don't have any idea who he is he's he's apparently a Jewish man she recognizes the fact that he's a Jewish man and, and so she recognizes the fact that he's a Jewish man that would have made it all the more awkward here I am a Samaritan woman she knows that the Jews hate the Samaritans right and they probably have the same feeling towards the Jews it's probably both going both ways and so the situation is just a completely awkward situation for her but she's there she, she goes ahead, she goes to the well to begin to draw her water. And then this Jewish man does something that no Jewish men did in that society. He spoke to her. He spoke to her. Now Jewish men didn't speak to any woman in public. Not even his own wife. They didn't speak to any woman in public. They they didn't have any regard for the, the, uh, any of the women. But now here this Jewish man was speaking to this woman in a public forum, in a public setting. They were probably the only ones there. The disciples showed up a little bit later. And when they saw what was going on, they were kind of shocked about it, right? Here it is. Jesus is talking to this woman, having this conversation with this woman. Jews did not do that in, the, in that society. And Jews certainly did not speak to Samaritans. Any Samaritans. They'd see a Samaritan coming down the side of the road. They'd get on the other side of the road. They didn't want to speak to them. They didn't want to look them in the eye. They didn't want to have any kind of fellowship, relationship, or, 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 or even a, a, a nice gesture of saying hello. They didn't want to have anything to do with them whatsoever. But here it is that Jesus took all of those extra-biblical, unbiblical prejudices aside, put them to the side, and he spoke to this woman who was a Samaritan. 
You know, that ought to remind us of some things that we have some unbiblical prejudices within our hearts and within our lives. We need to put them in check. Amen. We need to get them out. We need to make sure that we're not being a stumbling block for the kingdom of God. We need to make sure that we are there being used for the kingdom of God rather than being a hindrance to the kingdom of God. Amen? All, all, all of those prejudices and all of those preconceived notions and all of the things that society says, and we're changing in society, and things are, you know, some things are getting better, some things are getting worse, right, as we begin to look at that. But we need to make sure that, that our, our views of society line up with God's views of society. Our views of other people line up with the God's views of other people, and that's how we need to look. That's how we need to examine. And that's how we need to react. Amen? And that's how Jesus reacted. He didn't care what anybody else thought about him. He didn't care what anybody else had to say about him. He was going to speak to this woman because he had some information that she needed. And so he asks the woman for this water, which is also interesting because as Jesus asked for this, asked, uh, spoke to this woman, Jesus was also, you know, Nicodemus called Jesus a rabbi. We see many times in the scriptures that Jesus is called a rabbi. And not only did Jewish men not speak to other women, and not only did no Jews speak to any Samaritan, Jesus being a rabbi certainly would have not spoken to an immoral woman. And there's only one reason that you're at the well during the middle of the day when nobody else is there, right? So it's blatantly obvious that she is now considered to be an outcast to society, but you know what? Jesus didn't care about what, that, what the rest of society said. Jesus didn't care that everybody looked at her and sneered at her and turned their nose down at her and and. and, 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 and considered her an outcast because of her immorality. Was she in immorality? Absolutely. Jesus called it out. Again, we'll talk about that next week. But Jesus wanted to deal with it, and Jesus wanted to bring her out of it. And so Jesus didn't let those prejudices keep her away, uh, keep him away from speaking to her because he wanted to share with her not only the good news, but the greatest news. Amen? The greatest news. So here it is, a Jewish man was speaking to a woman who was a Samaritan who was living in immorality. We continue to look at this. We also recognize the fact that, uh, that, that, that Jesus, according to the standards of the day, would have defiled himself because obviously Jesus didn't have anything to draw water with and so Jesus would have had to drink out of her water pot. Amen? He'd have had to drink out of her water pot. You remember in the book of Acts how God dealt with Peter and you know God was about to send some folks to say, hey, you need to go to Cornelius' house, this Gentile over here. You need to share the gospel with Cornelius. But God had to do some work on Peter before Peter would have gone to Cornelius, a Gentile's house, because Peter would have in no way, shape, or form gone to Cornelius' house if two men would have just showed up knocking at the door. Hey, we're inviting you over to Cornelius' house. Peter 
Pharaoh said, absolutely not. So God had to deal with him in that of the dream and the visions of the sheep coming down with, with uh, clean animals mixed with those unclean animals. And so as God dealt with Peter's heart about that, God may don't need to deal with our heart about some prejudices and some things going on in our heart, in our life. We're not going to talk to them. You know who they are? God said, yeah, I know exactly who they are. In fact, God said, I know who they are better than you know who they are. I created them. Yes, maybe they've made a mess out of things and their life is an outright disaster right now, but they need me. Amen? They need me. They need Jesus. They need the living water of which Jesus is about to tell this Samaritan woman about. And now what's interesting is, uh, is Jesus is tearing down all of these barriers. Jesus then shifts the conversation. The conversation has started, hey, I'm thirsty. Can you get me a drink? You being a Jew, you're going to talk to me? And then Jesus shifts the conversation and basically says, yes, I'm thirsty with the physical water but you have a greater need of spiritual water and you're really the one that needs some water. Now wait a minute, you just asked me for some water, now you're offering me the water. But what type of water is this? It's a different type of water. Jesus says that this is living water, and so she gets all confused about this. She's still thinking about things in the physical. Are you greater than our father Jacob? who He's the very one that dug this well, and Jacob was worthy of honor, right? We see him. He's the patriarch of Israel. He is Israel. He was renamed Israel, right? And so as we look at Jacob, he is worthy of the honor of being one of the patriarchs, and so as we see see this she's saying are, are you saying you're greater than our father Israel our, our father Jacob uh, he dug this well he, he gave his uh, sons drink out of this well he gave his cattle drink out of this well Jesus said everybody that's ever drank of this well or any other well for that matter they've become thirsty again I want to give you some water that when you drink of you're never going to become thirsty again Oh, you've got a greater need than that what this temporary well is in front of you today. Amen? You've got a far greater need than this temporary thing that is before you in this temporary day. You've got a far greater need than what you think that you need or what you even realize that you need. And here it is as we begin to look at this. Jesus shifts the conversation from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. Now she doesn't fully comprehend this yet. She doesn't fully understand this yet. But Jesus offers to her this living water. And she doesn't have a clue what in the world this living water is all about. She doesn't have any idea. But what we need to understand is the living water that she needed that Jesus says that begins to produce a, a, a flow within your well, within your own person, within your own being that springs forth into eternal life. He says, I will give him, uh, it will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. What is that well of water that is springing up to eternal life? It is the well of salvation. 
Amen? The well of salvation. And so as we begin to understand this, Jesus is the living water. Jesus himself is the living water. And so what Jesus is saying to this woman right here, you need this living water. And if you get this living water, you're never going to be thirsty again. What he was really saying, and it's going to point out pretty clearly a little later on, is that what you're really in need of is me. You don't understand that right now. You don't get it right now. And you might not even admit that right now. But your greatest need is not the things within this physical world. Yes, you need water or else you're going to die physically. But I want you to understand that your greatest need today is that living water. Your greatest need is salvation. Your greatest need is eternal life. Amen? So when we look at this, as Jesus shifts gears on her and begins to talk about this living water, we ask ourselves the question of what this living water is because all throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about this living water. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 13 says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away on the earth, there will be written down because they have forsaken the fountain of the living water even the Lord. So who is the fountain of living water? It is the Lord. He is the fountain of living water. We see there in Psalm 36 and verse 9, it says, For with you is the fountain of life. With who is the fountain of life? With God is the fountain of life. He is the fountain of life. And Jesus is God who has become flesh and who has dwelt among us. And He is the very fountain of life. He is the very one in which is the water of life. And so as we look at Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, it says right there, it says, Therefore you will joyously draw water from the spring of salvation from the springs of salvation Jesus himself said in John chapter 6 and verse 35 John chapter 6 and verse 35 the word of God says Jesus says right here Jesus said to them I am the bread of life he who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. He who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus said if you drink of this living water you're never going to thirst again. As Jesus is referring to himself as the bread of life he's also referring to himself as that living water that if you have Jesus you're never going to thirst again. In John chapter 7 beginning in verse 37 Jesus says again right here within this text of scripture it says now on the last day the great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now Jesus already told this woman at the well what that those rivers of living water are going to produce. It's going to produce eternal life. Amen. It's going to produce everlasting life. And so he said it's going to, uh, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then he says in verse 39, but this he spoke of the spirit whom, uh, 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 whom those who believe in him 
were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, what then does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, He does very many things, right? There's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does, but according to Romans chapter 8, what's the very first thing that the Holy Spirit does? He gives to you life. Amen? He gives you life. Now it's through believing on Jesus. And Jesus said, he who believes in me, right? It's through believing in Jesus, that simple act of faith in Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus Christ, what happens? Then you receive the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit, he gives to you life. And the Holy Spirit himself is a spring within you that provides to you everything from God that you need. He is within you. You're sealed in the Spirit into the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit, Jesus himself is living with you and the Holy Spirit is living within you and provides for you and nourishes you and leads you and teaches you and guides you and strengthens you, encourages you. Everything that you need as a child of God is right there, but it starts in the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit enters into you and it gives you life that only opens up the flow, that flood of God, that well of living water that continues to produce within your life. All the way up to the time that we stand face to face with Jesus and our faith becomes our sight. We're there with Jesus in eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. Isn't that an amazing thing as we begin to look at the truth of what this living water is all about. So as we look at this, as Jesus turned this conversation around, he said, you know, he's basically saying, you're thinking about physical, and I'm talking to you about spiritual. It's the same problem that Nicodemus had. Nicodemus was thinking about physical, but Jesus was speaking about spiritual. You know, it's the same problem we have today. Our minds are so set, and our minds are so focused on the things of the physical right? We're so focused on the things of the physical, on this physical realm and this physical world. We're so sad and we're so focused upon, uh, upon all of the things of this world. We're too earthly focused to be heavenly focused. Amen? And you know, the interesting thing about the things of this world, it, the, what you have of this world, if you have, you know, the more money you have, the more money you want. Heard somebody talking to somebody the other day, I need to make more money. Well, the more money you make, the more money you spend. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. More money you make, more money you're going to spend. Right? And, and so somebody says, well, I want a 50-inch television. Well, all of a sudden, you get that 50-inch television, it's not, it's not big enough, right? I want a 60-inch television. Y'all know that I love Mustangs, and so, you know, I praise God for the car that I have, but, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, man, I would sure love to have a 1969 429 Boss Mustang. They didn't make but 500 of them, right? It's one of the most rare Mustangs that there are out there, but you know what happened if I got me a 1969? They made them in 72. I'd be happy with a 70 or 69. It doesn't matter. A 429 Boss Mustang. You know what happened if I got a 429 Boss Mustang? Well, I'd be so happy with that 429 Boss Mustang. And I'd think to myself, well, I sure would love to have a 1968 uh, 428 Cobra Jet. Amen? 
You know what would happen if I got that 1968 428 Cobra Jet? Boy, wouldn't it be nice if I had me a Shelby GT500 KR? Boy, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Then you know what? I'm, I'm a product of the 80s, and Steve Saline made, made Mustangs, throughout, uh, 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 produced a version of a Mustang, the Saline Mustang. Wouldn't it be nice if I had to say, you're never satisfied with the things of this world, are you? You want more, and you want more, and you want more. Jesus said, if you drink of me, you're going to be satisfied. Amen? You're going to be satisfied. You're going to be satisfied in Jesus. And you know, when you get to that end of life, that end stage of life, where all of the physical things of this world, everything that you once thought were important, you now realize, you know what, none of that stuff's important. No things matter. No those things are important. Now we need physical things in life. We need water. <laughs> right? If you don't have water, you're going to die. You need that water. So it's not something that you don't need. You might not need a 429 Boss Mustang, but you need, you need other things within life, right? You need those things in life to survive, and God knows that. You know, when we begin to think about it, understand the truth that God knows the things that we need, now God knows our greatest need, and our greatest need is Jesus. He knew the Samaritan woman's greatest need, and her greatest need was Jesus. So as we look at this and we begin to recognize, here it is that Jesus says in verse 10, Jesus said, answered and said to her, If you knew... If you only knew, if you only knew, first of all, the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. If you only knew what that gift of God was all about. That gift of God, which is the living water, that gift of God, which is our salvation, that gift of God, which is eternal life. If you only knew. You wouldn't be so concerned with all the stuff here on this earth. Then maybe we don't need it, right? Your primary concern would be Jesus, and your primary concern would be knowing that you know Jesus. So many people that I've seen and met over the years that come close to death, the closer they get to death, the more they realize they need Jesus. But the reality is we don't know when. Amen. Doctor can even tell you when, and the doctor can miss that by a long shot. Seven years ago, I was supposed to be dead. <laughs> Amen. Now, had I died seven years ago, I knew exactly where I'd be today. But the doctors don't know, and you don't know, but Jesus knows. Just like it wasn't a mistake that Jesus was right there at the exact right time, right when that woman was coming to the well, and he knew when she was going to be there. But even though she didn't know who he was, he knew who she was, and he knew what her greatest need was. The greatest need was the gift of God and the one who gives it. And that's Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Not the things of this world. If you only new. Amen? Praise God for those of you here today that do know, and I pray that all of you know, every single one of you know, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But if you don't today, if you don't know, 
Oh, friends, would you come to know him? Jesus said again in verse 14, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. You will be thoroughly and utterly satisfied in Jesus. That doesn't mean that when you become a Christian, you'll all of a sudden be happy, healthy, and wealthy, and all of your physical needs and everything that you have will always be met and you'll never be sick again. But no, friend, regardless of what you go through, He's going to go through it with you and you're going to be utterly and completely, absolutely satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ. You hear people say all the time, and I've said it many times myself, is that you don't want to die without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that is the absolute truth. You do not want to die without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you're 30 years old today and you're going to live to be 100 years old, and friends, you don't want to live a second of it without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't want to take a breath. You don't want to have a heartbeat without knowing that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Amen? Have you drunk of that water? How do I do that? You put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. He'll take care of the rest of it. Amen? But it starts with you putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Right now as our praise team makes their way on up this direction. Praise team makes their way on up this direction this morning as you come. As you stand, rather. You're here today and you don't know that you know that you know. Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Friend, would you come to Him today? Trust in Jesus today. Believe on Jesus today. See, when you came in here and you sat down, say, what does it mean to trust in Jesus? What does it mean to believe on Jesus? When you came in here and you sat down, you sat down in that chair right there. I guarantee you not a single one of you thought, I wonder if that chair is going to hold me. I wonder if that chair is going to take my weight. I wonder if that chair is going to carry me when I put my weight down on it. Not a single one of you thought that, did you? So that chair's there. That's what that chair is designed to be is to hold my weight and to keep me from hitting that ground. You know what you did? You put your faith in that chair. That's the purpose of that chair. That's why that chair's there. The same kind of faith you need to have in Jesus. Jesus, I need you. And I believe that you went to the cross to die for me. And I believe when I ask you to forgive me of my sins, you will. And I believe when I invite you to my heart to be my Lord and my Savior, you will. That's the very reason you went to the cross to die for me. I put my faith in you today. If that's you today, 
Would you come? Anything else? Friends, this altar's open for you. You come as God so lead. You come. I'll be happy to pray for you. You come as God stirs your heart. Yesterday, Bubba and I started a conversation. Lord put a lady in his path earlier in the week. I won't get into the full details about it, but just uh, blessed him in a great way. But I believe the Lord sent her to him to get him to begin focusing upon on the Lord. And as we talked yesterday, he said, I just want to make sure. There's only one way to make sure. Amen. So as he came forward this morning, I asked him, I said, are you sure this morning? He said, I am. Yeah. Amen. So we also talked yesterday about baptism. So well, tomorrow Sunday, what about then? And so here we are. Amen. So Bubba's come forward this morning on a public profession of faith. He wants to be baptized. And everybody in favor of that say amen. 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 And we're about to go to the back to uh, get ready for baptism and Kevin's going to come on up up here. Are you, are you going to be able to? Okay, so Kevin's going to come on up here and so if you go on in the back and uh, get ready, Ronnie's back there, he'll be waiting on you and y'all go on back there and get ready and I'll meet you back there here in just a minute. Well, Kevin's going to be here. Friend, if God's dealing with your heart on, for anything, through anything, you come as God so leads. Amen, amen. Well, Miss Gertrude's also coming forward this morning. Her member is at New Palace, uh, Pine Grove, Pine Grove. We'll get her moving from the right church here in just a minute, amen. From Pine Grove Baptist Church, and she's been coming for a little while. 
She just told me this is home. Amen. So all in favor for Miss Gertrude moving her letter from Pine Grove Baptist Church to Mill Creek Baptist Church, say aye. 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 Amen. Any opposed? And there are none. We're so excited to have you. Amen. Amen. So she's here this morning. And so anybody else this morning, if you want to move your letter this morning, you come. If you're here this morning, you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You come. Brother Kevin will be up here as I get ready for baptism in the back. You come. As God so stirs in your heart. Anything else you need prayer? You come as God stirs in your heart.